0: In life, we all step up to the plate hoping to hit a home run in our marriage, business, our family. What if the key was following a simple pattern, four words, four life-changing principles? There's only one way to get power at the plate. Connect with God. Once you trust God, you're able to win battles within yourself. Securing your identity, winning relationships with others is next. Rounding third means winning results in whatever you do, excellence matters. God created this game plan, a pattern different from the world, so that we can have the full life the intended.
1: Well, hello, Heritage. Hello. want to welcome all of you here at Rock Island and greet our family out at Bettendorf, also at QC West. Those joining us online as we join you here, thanks for being part of this time. This is our final wrap-up weekend for Home Run Life, and this has just been a great journey, powerful journey, seeing God move across our family in a number of ways. And I love hearing the stories of of life change in in relationships and marriages and families and individual lives as people have stepped back into God's pattern for how to live life to the full. And I never grow tired of hearing how God's moving among our family. And if you've missed any of the journey, I really encourage you to go to heritageqc.com and under the media tab, you can find out what you've missed. But let's take a moment and review the journey to this point over the last five weeks. We know that Paul said in Romans 12, verse 2, he said, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we understand out of that passage that there is a pattern of the world, but also that God has a pattern. And His pattern, no matter who you are, or where you're at, what stage of life, He just has four areas that He wants to grow you in. You could call them growth gates. Or for our purposes in this journey, we've been using and leveraging the baseball metaphor, and so we refer to them as bases. And so the four areas that God seeks to grow us through, those four bases, all start and, be, and end at home plate, where we connect with God where we step into relationship with him through Jesus Christ, where we receive his purpose and his power. And in that place, we also win something. We win dependence. When we connect with God through Jesus Christ, we win dependence at home plate. And that positions us to live life to the full. Because it's by his power we can proceed to first base, where we deal with the area of character. We deal with integrity issues. And in that place is where most of us get thrown out. This is where most of us make a mistake and end up missing out on all God has for us in life. But we can, by His power, we can win at first base and win within in those character integrity battles because it's by His power. And when we do, we can proceed from first base to second base. And second base is where we interact with people. It's the community base. And we win with who here? We win with... We win with others. That's right, others at second base. This is where we learn to love them as God loves them and we don't use people, we serve people. Once we've done that, we can continue on around the third base. That's the competence base, it's performance. And here's where we win another thing and that's where we win results. And not just any results, we win the kind of God-sized results that the Lord has for us and who he's made us to be in this life. And this is God's pattern. There's a sequence to it. There are, there, there's, there's a pattern that, that allows us to live life to the full as we run the bases His way. If we don't do it His way, we can end up consumed by results. We can end up using people rather than loving them. And we can fail those first base character battles and end up with no time for God. There is a way that God seeks to grow us. A pattern. And there are no shortcuts in the spiritual journey as we saw last week. There's no shortcuts in the spiritual journey, but there are dead ends. There are places that we can get sidelined and derailed and stuck. And one of the reasons why that happens is found in Ephesians chapter 6. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians. In fact, we're going to be in a number of scriptures today, and and we're going to be jumping around. If you just want to settle into a spot, you can stay in Ephesians chapter 6. You can click to it or turn to it. But if you don't have a Bible with you, you can follow along in your sermon notes guide. Just about all the scriptures are in there, plus We'll be showing most of them on the screen as well. But in Ephesians chapter 6, we're reading something that a man named Paul wrote. Paul was somebody who was actually running the bases completely backwards for the vast majority of his life. In fact, he was so off track that he was killing Christians in the name of God until he encountered Jesus and then everything changed. And he started living according to God's pattern and started living life to the full and he became a missionary and church planter. And this is a a section of a letter that he wrote to the church in a place called Ephesus. And this is what he said in verse 10. He said, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now, let me just hold right there for a second. Be strong in who? And in his mighty what? My friends, that is home plate being strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Paul understood the need to depend on God. He goes on to say, verse 11, "...put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms." Okay, if you have never read that scripture before, that can feel and sound kind of ominous. You got armor and schemes and struggle and spiritual forces at work. And, but here's the thing. You simply need to understand a reality out of this passage that we live in two worlds, spiritual and physical. We live in two worlds. We, each of us, are souls who have a body, spiritual and physical. We talked last week about how souls are one of the only two things that last forever. The word of God is the other. That's why it is so important to understand what matters in this world and the next. Spiritual and physical. One of the realities that happens in this dynamic is we can tend to label the physical as real and inadvertently disregard the spiritual. But that's a dangerous place to be because they are both very real and we don't understand that, we don't live by that, we don't understand the differences, we can become vulnerable to living lesser lives, falling out of God's pattern that he has for us in this life. Look, one of the deals about this spiritual and physical reality goes back to God's design for us and how we live a home-run life. In fact, we understand from early on in our journey that when we are born from a physical world perspective, we are highly dependent upon everybody around us. As an infant, to be fed, cared for, loved on, we need our families around us to do that. But over time, as we grow physically, we increase our level of independence We become increasingly independent, and that's a good thing. We want children to grow up and become adults and self-sufficient. That's healthy, and that is what happens in the physical world, but that's not how we grow in the spiritual world. We grow from dependence to independence in the physical world, but when it comes to the spiritual world, it's the exact opposite. We start in a place of rebellion and separation from God, very independent, but as we grow to understand His love, understand His purpose, understand who He is and who Jesus is, then we increase our level of dependence in an ongoing journey, and we continue to be more and more dependent until we become a people who have faith like a child. We live in two worlds, the spiritual and the physical. We need to understand the nuances between the two because there are some different differences and some ways they connect that matter in how we relate to God, to each other, and to this world. In fact, we actually have an opposition in this life that seeks to mess in the spiritual and the physical. Both sides of the equation. There's someone who seeks to make sure we don't live a home run life, to make sure we get thrown out along the way. They don't don't care about us, couldn't give a rip about us. They hate God. We know them by several different names Satan, Lucifer, the devil, but he is an enemy of God and an enemy of the home run life. And when we don't understand the realities of the spiritual struggle, as Paul referred to it, or what we often call the spiritual battle, we are more likely to stumble and be vulnerable in it. And if we're ever going to live a home run life, have that life to the full, then we need to know a few things about how the spiritual and the physical worlds intersect. So let's do this first. I want everybody at each of our locations to do this. I want you to look at the person on your left. Okay, now look at the person on your right. Now, look around the room at everybody you can see in the room, and I want to ask you a rhetorical question as you do that. Do you see your enemy in this room? Rhetorical question, don't answer it. <laughs> do you see your enemy? Let me answer it for you. No, you do not. Not even if the person sitting next to you or the person across the room is the one who has done the greatest wrong against you, who has done the most painful, unfair thing to you, they are not your enemy. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. For some of us, the person who has done the greatest wrong and the most unfair and painful thing to us is us. I want to tell you, if that's you, this applies to you as well. You are not the enemy. Who's the enemy? Satan. And Satan is a deceiver. The Bible calls him the father of lies. He's the master of distorting and twisting truth, planting ideas, just deceiving. And through his meddling, we can be tricked into certain thought patterns and often settle for less than God intended in many areas of our lives. And here's the bottom line, that most people never experience a home run life because they believe a lie. Most people never experience a home run life because they believe a lie. Because they believe a what? A lie. lie. We never see life to the full or experience life to the full because we believe something to be true that actually isn't true. And it's not because we're just gullible. Actually, that's very rarely the case. The reality is it's because we have an enemy, right? And that enemy hates God and wants to hurt the heart of God. And he tries to do it through us. Because here's the thing, just as God has a pattern, so does Satan. And if we don't understand his pattern, we're more vulnerable to it. See, unlike God who works in truth, Satan works in the area of deception. He seeks to plant an idea to trick us into believing a lie. Not that much unlike how we train an elephant. Anybody know how to train an elephant? Ever given that much thought? No? Okay, let me tell you how that happens. Okay, so here's the deal. When you're wanting to train an elephant, it's all based on a simple concept of deception. The key is, for example, to to make the elephant believe a lie like they can't get away. So here's how you do it. Take some notes if you want to. First thing you do is you get an elephant, preferably a baby elephant. Then you tie that elephant to a stake, a really heavy steel stake in the ground like a horse to a hitching post. And that baby elephant will try to break free. It'll struggle and push against it and eventually realize that it can't break free. And the moment that it does realize that it can't break free from that stake, then you can take that huge metal stake out of the ground and you can replace it with a tiny wooden one. Because even though that elephant would have the strength to easily break past that stake, once an elephant has been trained to believe that a stake is too strong, It won't attempt to break free, get loose, or run away. Even after it's grown strong enough to do so. And what's interesting to me about that is that I believe Satan does a very similar thing. See, he messes with couples and families and churches, people in general, and he tries to plant an idea. And once he can do that, once he deceives us into believing a lie, like we can't run away from our sin, like we'll never be free of the junk in our life, like we're alone, we're not worthy, and nobody cares, well, then we're stuck, because that's when we step out of God's pattern, and we miss a home run life because we let an idea take root, and we believe a lie. Let me just clarify a few things before we go any further in this. I'm not talking today about demonic possession. That is a very real thing, but a very different thing. What I'm talking about today is how Satan seeks to mess with those who follow Jesus. And those who are thinking about following Jesus. And quite honestly, anybody else he can mess with. You see, outside of demonic possession, Satan doesn't have the power to control us. He doesn't control our minds. He doesn't even know our thoughts. I mean, we can give him that, but he doesn't inherently have it. However, what he does have is understanding. He is a very good predictor of human behavior. He's seen it. He knows how to trick us, how to plant an idea. He is the father of lies. Here's how Jesus described him. Just two chapters before Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have life to the full. This is John chapter 8, verse 44. Jesus said, He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Our enemy is a liar, and deception is at the core and the heart of his pattern. And those who miss living a life to the full often do so because they believe a lie. Which means the greatest threat to an abundant life often is embracing an idea from the father of lies. And he seeks to plant that idea to destroy. He doesn't control our minds. He doesn't know our thoughts. But he can predict behavior. And he knows what can distract us. He knows what can trip us up. And what he uses to do that. I call the D's. D's. What what he does is uses what I like to call D's. These are all based first and foremost in deception. But that's just the starting point. Deception. You have doubt and discouragement and despair, diversion, defeat, delay, distraction. Those are the D's. Satan uses the D's to blow apart God's home run life for us so that we will doubt God, we'll doubt ourselves, we'll doubt others, and we'll doubt we can have any kind of life to the full. He uses the d's. God never uses the d's. God has another way to grow us. He doesn't use d's. So let me just take a moment and unpack the d's for a moment. You got deception as the foundation. That's where he seeks to get us to believe a half truth or a flat out lie. And he's really good at it. When it comes to doubt, doubts that positioning us to question God's intent, God's word and his goodness. One of the best examples of this is Genesis chapter 3. You can check it out at some other point, but this is where the devil is messing with Eve. And Adams, who's standing right next to her, and he says, surely God didn't. Did God really say? And just in those few words, he plants this seed of doubt, an idea that causes the question of God's intent and his word. Also have discouragement and despair. Those are things that cause us to look at our problems, look at us rather than God. That's pushing us back towards independence rather than dependence on God. Beyond that is the diversion piece. That's where he makes things, that the wrong things look appealing and the right things to not look appealing. When it comes to defeat, this is where he causes us to feel like a failure, so we don't even try, we just quit, we just give up. And then there's this element of delay. And and delay causes us to put something off that either never gets started or never gets completed. Those are some of the D's that the enemy uses. And he uses them to lead us or push us into three places, just three. Here's how this works. It all starts when he can, through circumstances or through an idea, create the environment in our life where we experience doubt, discouragement, or despair. Something happens where one of those D's gets a, gets a foothold in our life. And when he can do that, then he seeks to push us into one of three locations. Just, just one of three to start. The first one might be isolation. Isolation. Now this is very different than solitude. We talked about this a couple weeks, but isolation is a place where we, like, where we think, nobody cares, I'm alone, and I'm better off alone. And, and isolation is a place that he will use doubt, discouragement, and despair to, to lead us into. Either he will push us into that, or we just flat out step into it because of the circumstances we're looking at and how we're looking at them. If he can't move us to isolation, he'll actually try to move us to another place, and that's a place of fear. Fear has no place in the life of a believer. None. I'm not talking about holy reverent fear for a holy God. I'm talking about fear marked by anxiety and worry where we don't trust and we don't risk and we're afraid of what might happen to us. He tries to push us to a place of fear which also then bleeds into this third location which is a place of victim mentality. This is where he gets us to the point where we sit there going, man, I have been wronged. I'm owed. I, I, I shouldn't be treated that way. I, I didn't get recognized enough. I, it's, it's me. I, I deserve more. I deserve better. And so using a D, he will push us into one of three, these three locations. But he's not done. Because once he's there, he just wants us to run through his pattern. So if he can move us to a place of isolation where we're, we're separate from relationship with people and God and, and we're feeling vulnerable and nobody cares, well, now we start to feel fear. Well, if I'm alone, nobody cares. What can happen to me? I'm afraid of what might happen to me. In fact, what happens to me means, it might mean I'm a victim of something. That I can be wronged and mistreated and, and, and that's unfair and I'm owed something more. And out of that, then we say, well, I'm going to distance myself from people because I don't want that to keep happening. And so when I move myself into greater isolation. You see this? Are you with me? I mean, the deal is, this is his pattern, but he doesn't carry the order. There is an order when it comes to the pattern of God, but there's no order when it comes to this. He just wants us to get into one of these places. And then he keeps us out there. So he can move us to a place of fear. Like, I'm afraid of what might happen in my life. I'm worrying about that. There's anxiety to that. Because of that, I'm going to keep myself distanced from people in a relationship. I'm not going to expose my heart to people. I'm not going to let them know me. And, and so I'm going to isolate myself. But in that, and then I think, you know, that's not fair. I shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't have to worry how people might treat me or what might go wrong. And now I'm a victim. And because I'm a victim in that, I'm afraid of what might happen again. And now we're just stuck in this cycle and it just continues over and over again. And the crazy, ridiculous thing about this cycle is that it's ultimately about us. The focus is on us. Unlike the pattern that God has for us where the focus is on Him. It's Christ-centered. And we can get caught up in, in this thinking uh, that the enemy puts us in where we start, to, we start to question and doubt God, and doubt ourselves, doubt others, doubt that we can ever experience life to the full. And this happens in overt ways, but it also happens in subtle ways. But he uses D's to push us into isolation, fear, and victim mentality. And sometimes we just step there on our own. He doesn't have to push. Look, if you were the enemy, I wonder what idea you would plant or what D you would use to trip you up today. Would it be doubt? Discouragement? Some form of distraction or diversion? Where are you already most vulnerable? Because this pattern can play out in every arena of life. You're talking about purity and lust. You're talking about shame and guilt. Worry or insecurity. Where are you most vulnerable? It's possible that an area of struggle in your life right now is the result of an idea planted by the enemy. And God doesn't use this pattern, and he doesn't use the D's. Look, we're created to run the bases. We're we're created to run the bases as God designed them. But we can end up uh, living a life where we feel like we're running God's bases, but we're actually running this pattern. Because it feels kind of like it should, and we feel justified in isolating. We feel justified in being not trusting, and justified in like, I deserve more. But we end up living lesser lives stuck in that pattern. And we can get lost in the understanding of what is true and not true. Look, Jesus understood the tension and reality between these two patterns. So much so, it's actually, when he said in John 10, 10, I have come that they may have life and life to the full, that's not actually the full verse. That's just the back half. There's more to it, the first half. Check out what it says, John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Who's the thief? Satan. He's the thief. And Satan's main objective is to hurt the heart of God by derailing our relationships with him and our trust in him. He couldn't care less about us. Satan cannot defeat God, so he's unleashed his hatred for God on mankind. And since he can't destroy God, he seeks to destroy God's creation, you and me. That's why Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, wrote these words in 1 Peter 5. He said, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This isn't a game. This is a battle for souls. And, and we've all experienced the enemy's attacks. We've all experienced temptation at some point, And we've all messed up at some level. I would be embarrassed if you knew how many times I have messed up in my journey. Yet, even though we've all fallen, we can come back from that. In fact, I want to share with you one such story from one of our own. Check this out.
0: Um, my name is Kevin, and my story up until about a year ago was one of being very selfish, um, very isolated, uh, self-imposed isolation. I, I didn't really like hanging out with you know, a lot of friends. Um, even when I was around my family, I was very alone. Um, and that was comfortable for me. Um, but consequently, um, I made choices in my life that really hurt my family, uh, devastated my children, and led me to a place that I am not proud of. And in that moment, uh, I asked Christ to come in my heart because I just didn't know anything else to do. Uh, I wasn't a terribly spiritual person. Uh, I would have claimed to be a Christian, but I can't say that I was, acted like a Christian. Um, But I asked and and I genuinely meant it. I said, Lord, I need you, I've ruined my life, please help me, and He answered, and he answered in a very big way. Um, Something I heard later was that you never know that God is all you need until He's all you have, and it was very true in that moment because God was all I had. I had I had lost everything. Since that that time, since that moment, um, I've been growing in my faith. Um, I have. We've been going to Heritage for a year. I've been meeting with Pastor Jason over at the Bendorf campus, and he has helped me through some things, Um, helped me find uh, my own path on this this journey that we're on, and we're plugged into small groups now, we're plugged into just the church in general, Um, and it's really transformed my life, my wife's life, my family's life, and I, I just can't say enough good things about that. It's been pretty phenomenal, and specifically with this sermon series, um, The Home Run Life, it was one of those aha moments when Pastor Sean first put it up on the screen and kinda like showed like, hey, this is how you run the basis, and I was, I looked at it and I'm like, oh, well, there's one thing I did wrong. I mean, I did a thousand things wrong, but I, that was one of the things I definitely did wrong because he says you have to be dependent on God. While well, I was an extremely independent person, um, I, I made it that way I thought I was supposed to be. I thought that made me strong. Um, but what it did was it isolated me. And in that isolation, I developed my own plan, my own agenda, my own way of doing things. And, and I heard Pastor Sean saying these exact things in, last, in the uh, winning with others uh, part of the series. And It really hit home, because like, like, yeah, that was, I was doing all those things. I was trying to win on my own terms. Uh, I was trying to win with my own plan, and my plan pretty much destroyed my life and the the lives of those around me. So my plan was a failure. Um, God's plan is the only plan that truly works, Um, but I am trying, and I think it's... My life is much better for it. My family is happy. My family is whole. Any year ago, I couldn't have said that.
1: <sighs> We've all fallen. We've all failed. No matter where you're at, where you've been, you can come back through Jesus. God's restoring Kevin and his family to more. And what I love about Kevin's story, beyond the fact he had the courage to share it, is that his story is our story. We've all failed. We've all fallen. We've all been tripped up by the D's and landed at a place of isolation and fear and victim mentality. And, I mean, the deal is sin inherently creates the platform by which we fall into the rest of the pattern. And we've all sinned but the beautiful thing is that God has made a way for us to come back for us to be restored to living life to the full but it's by his pattern and it's through his son Jesus in fact if we were to step back into understanding this pattern a little bit more the reality is that dependence determines direction dependence determines direction it's it's the foundation of our life that determines the kind of life we live it's the focus that we have. It's, it's who we approach and how we approach them. It's what we're trusting in that determines the nature of our life. And I wonder what foundation and focus is defining your life. Is it your agenda or God's? Is it the pattern of the world or is it God's pattern? Is it dependence on yourself or dependence on his son Jesus? It matters. Because what we depend on determines direction. That foundation determines the kind of life we live. And one of the beautiful things about living living life according to God's pattern is that when we do, suffering turns into sacrifice. And people are no longer projects. And we live for a purpose much greater than ourselves. And God does amazing things. So what? What do we do as we start to wrap up this home run life thing? This journey? Well, when Paul said our battle's not against flesh and blood, he goes on to say something else in verse 13. He says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and after everything to stand. I want you to be able to stand, and after everything, stand. It's important to know and understand the difference in the patterns, that there are different patterns. But that's not enough to just know the differences. We actually have to choose which pattern we're going to live by. Isolation and fear and victim mentality ultimately reflect a self-focus, It's depending on us and not God. And that makes us vulnerable. And that's why Satan repeatedly seeks to facilitate his cycle, his pattern, whenever he can. And we need to know how to stand against it. Because when we don't, we get stuck. So, how do we stand against his lies and his schemes and after everything, stand? The simple answer is truth. By countering the lies with truth. Look, Jesus is not our Lord and Savior. He is our example for everything. And there's a point in Jesus' journey where he was out in the wilderness and Satan approaches him and seeks to tempt him three different times. And every time the Son of God, Jesus, responded to that temptation by quoting Scripture. And if the Son of God responds to temptation from the enemy that way, so should we. Because it is truth that sets us free. The truth is the word of God. But we also have Jesus. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we have Jesus and his word. And with those two things, man, we can stand and after everything still stand. It was 2 Timothy verse, chapter 3 that reminds us of this. That all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We have the word of God, and we have Jesus Christ, and we can break the cycle of isolation, fear, and victim mentality, and we can avoid it all together when we reject the lie and we counter with truth. That's how you break the cycle. That's how you stand and after everything, still stand. In fact, here, if you have your sermon notes guide, grab it, page three. You'll see three sections. First is that fear section. And here's one scripture that if you're struggling with fear, here's how you can break out of that fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. If fear is a place that Satan has you cornered, claim the truth of God's word that he has never given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and self-control. If that's not your area, maybe isolation's a place. You're alone, nobody cares, and I'm better off alone. Listen, here's what God said, Hebrews 13. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God said that. Jesus himself said in Matthew 28, Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. If you're struggling with isolation, embracing isolation, claim the truth that you are not alone. You're not alone. And if you're someone who's struggling in that victim mentality, you've been wronged, you're owed more, this shouldn't have happened, that's unfair, listen, Romans is one of the places you can find some truth. you got Romans 8, uh, verse 28, that talks about God works all things for the good of those who love him. Then, then, then in verse 37, this is what he says, No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And there's some more scripture around that passage, but just understanding that you are more, you are conquerors, more than conquerors through him who loves you. You're not a victim. People may do stuff wrong to you that hurt you, but you're not a victim. You know, we've been looking at the life of Joseph in this journey, and I guarantee That somewhere along the way, in the pits or the prisons along the way, the enemy tried to push Joseph into this cycle of isolation and fear and victim mentality. And from everything I can tell from Scripture, Joseph didn't go there. He chose to depend on God and to trust his Lord. But I guarantee the enemy tried to push him. You don't deserve this. You're alone and nobody cares. And you should be afraid. But those are all lies. Those are all lies. So here's the thing understanding God's pattern in this pattern. I wonder where you're most vulnerable today. I wonder I wonder where, where the enemy sees you're most vulnerable. Uh, I'll tell you what it is for me. If I were the enemy and I were going to take me out, I would seek to use my natural bent towards insecurity to move me to a place of fear or isolation. So that I'd be more vulnerable. That's why I have to constantly go to the Word of God to understand who I am in Jesus. To understand who I am because of the blood of Jesus, the salvation and new life that comes from Jesus. In fact, I posted a whole list of scriptures of who we are in Jesus on my blog at livesent.today that if you're struggling to know who you are in Christ, you got to go there and you got to read and understand who you are in Jesus, your identity. Without that, we're vulnerable. And I wonder where you're vulnerable today. Or maybe a better question is, what big lie is redefining your life? What big lie is already redefining your life? That you're alone, you're a victim, God doesn't care. What's the lie? What's the wooden stake that's holding you stuck? And you don't need to be. Because by his power we are more than conquerors. Look, the difference between the truth and and a lie is is significant, but it can often be obscured. Even these patterns, both patterns have this moving around element, and both patterns are speaking to our identity, but one is focused on us, and one is focused on God. And there's a huge difference. And I want to once again reiterate that Satan has no power over those who are in Christ Jesus. None. None. He who is in us, Jesus, is greater than he who is in the world. Or as John said it, he who is in you, is greater than he is in the world. Look, I want to challenge you at the end of this Home Run Life series to allow God to make you strong. Through relationship with him, let him empower you. Learn to put on the full armor of God that Paul's talking about in Ephesians 6 that we didn't even get into. is talking about truth and righteousness and peace and faith and, and salvation. Look, in the end of this Home Run Life journey, living a Home Run Life is about who we, pro- who we approach and how we approach them. And the only way to live life to the full is by approaching God through Jesus Christ. That's where we experience a home run life. And if you've never taken that step of moving towards God through Jesus, you can do that today. In fact, in the very back of the sermon notes guide is a prayer that you can pray before you leave. that will position you at home plate to start to live life to the full. But you have to choose to step that way. And when you do, when we, when we sit under the covering of Jesus, man, a life rooted in truth Saved by, by Christ. And that's invulnerable. So here's how I want to end this journey. This has been a really good journey for us as a church. And, and I want to end in private conversation with God. In a moment, our campus pastors are going to come to each of our locations and, and wrap things up for the day. But before that happens, we have an opportunity to approach the throne of God through worship and prayer. And I want to encourage you to have a private conversation with God during that time about the patterns that you've been living in your life about maybe the, the lies you've embraced instead of the truth, or, or maybe even just the, the realities of the bases. Instead of running the bases the right way, you've been doing something different. Talk with God in a private conversation. In fact, we have been using a song in our series. It's called Boldly I Approach. And I just want to read uh, a verse and the chorus to you as we step into a moment of prayer and your opportunity to have that private conversation. Here's what it is. Here's the, here are the words. When condemnation grips my heart, And Satan tempts me to despair I hear the voice that scatters fear the great I am the Lord is here Oh praise the one who fights for me and shields my soul eternally boldly I approach your throne blameless now I'm running home by your blood I come welcomed as your own into the arms of majesty. Look, I don't know where you're at in this life. I don't know what your journey looks like today. But we will have trouble in this world. But when we live according to God's pattern, according to His purpose, then we live in the power of the one who has already overcome the world and the enemy who seeks to disrupt it but we have to make a personal choice to receive what He offers to be able to live that life to the full. And I pray that today would be a spiritual mile marker for you because in these next few moments, you'll take that opportunity to step into life abundant, life to the full for His glory. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank You for the opportunity to have spent some time in your word, in the story of Joseph, looking at your pattern, understanding how we can leverage baseball to, underst- to, to, just to understand it more fully. But God, I pray as my brothers and sisters spend a few moments in private conversation with you, may they boldly approach your throne, covered by your blood. May they run home to you in greater dependence, able to win within, to win with others, and win results because they have one dependence on you. And God, I pray you'd bind the enemy, Satan. In the name of Jesus, bind him from interfering and give us wisdom to lay hold of truth and reject the lie. Give us courage to break out of patterns by your power. And may your will be done in our lives for your glory and your glory alone. I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.